A number of twists this morning in a very short parable about two sons. Not the prodigal son, but two sons that contrast each other. And there, there are a number of twists. But what we're going to see is how powerful it is simply to confess. I've said it before, and you know it's true. We all know it's true. The hardest words to say, the five hardest words to say are, I was wrong, I'm sorry. They're very difficult to pronounce. You remember, uh, remember Fonzie, uh, Arthur Fonzarelli, those of you who are old enough to remember happy days, he used to say, I was wrong. He would go, I was He couldn't quite get it out. Five hardest words, I was wrong, I'm sorry. And so you think maybe that talking about confession would be unpleasant, but it's not. Confession is the key to connection. Confession is the key to connection. Confession reconnects us to ourselves, to God, to each other. It gets the yuck out. It gets the, it gets the grit out. I, I prayed about this a minute ago. Mike Mason in his, his book, The Mystery of Marriage, talks about the kind of marriage that, that, that uh, he and his wife strive to have. He said he didn't want to have... Uh, a, a, a marriage where they connect like the gears of an alarm clock. Alarm clock is big, it's got big clunky gears, and if a grain of sand gets in there, it'll just grind it right up and, and go on. He wanted a Swiss watch kind of marriage. The problem is, is that you have to deal with, with some of the nitty gritties, don't you? A little grit can stop the gears of a great relationship. And they should. They should. But the amazing thing is, is that confession, <coughs> confession gets it out. It clears things up. And so let's take a look at this parable, considering two powerful ways that confession helps us connect. Two benefits of connection, but, but really behind it, Two, the two benefits of con confession that help us connect or reconnect in our relationships. From the Word of God, Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse 28 and finishing up at verse 32. My version is going to be a little different from what you see on the screens. This is from the NIV. What do you think? He's asking the Pharisees and the teachers, the scribes. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. The first son said, I will not. But later, he changed his mind and went. Two sons. Now, here's the second son. Father went to the second son. He said this, said the same thing. He said, and the son replied, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two sons did what the father wanted? Which, which of the two sons did the father's will? The first, they answered. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors 
and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. May God bless us today through this, his holy word. Let's pray. Father, would you bless this word, not just that we may assent to it and nod the head, but that we may believe it, trust in it, and take a step. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So what are the two benefits of confession? What are the two benefits that help us connect in our relationships? Help us connect with ourselves, with each other, with God. The first benefit is that confession helps you stand up. It it lets you stand where you are, wherever you are. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're feeling, whatever you've done, whatever you've been, whatever you're into, however upset you may be, confession lets you stand up right where you are, right as you are, just as you are. Confession does that. It invites us to be who we are, right where we are, to be honest to God about what we're thinking, about what we're feeling. There's a, there's a game show many, many years ago, before my time, called To Tell the Truth. Some of you all know what this is, To Tell the Truth. And it's kind of like that game, two, two Lies and a Truth, and you're trying to figure out which one is the truth. Well, it, what they would do is take a celebrity that nobody could recognize, right? And you say, well, how do you, if he's a celebrity or she's a celebrity, wouldn't we recognize him? Not necessarily. So before Duncan Hines was a, a brand of brownies, had to throw that in. It was a person. And so they'd get somebody like Duncan Hines that nobody knew what, what they looked like, and they'd put two other people right next to him. And then they would ask him questions. And the two uh, imposters would try to answer the questions and fool the judges to, into thinking that they're the real Duncan Hines. And at the end, you know, they, the judges would guess which was the real Duncan Hines, and, and then, then the, the host would say, would the real Duncan Hines please stand up? And then you would find out who, who got it right and who got it wrong. I, I want you to picture that for just a minute because that's, that's you, that's me. We have a choice when we're dealing with something difficult, when we're dealing especially with our disappointment or, or we're, we're disappointed in God, we're, we're angry with God, we have a difference in, in the direction we want to go, the, the way that God seems to be pointing or calling with our circumstances. And sometimes we confess in a rote way and we don't actually say what we're really thinking, what we're really feeling. And, and we miss the opportunity and the invitation by grace to stand right where we are, not where we should be, not where we think we're supposed to, what we're think, we're supposed to think and what we think we're supposed to say and uh, what, we, what we think we're supposed to feel, but to, 
to confess what we actually think, what we actually feel, what we actually believe in the moment. Even our doubts. Verse 29, the son says, I'm not going. I'm not going. No, I don't want to go. No way. I wish as a father I knew what this was like so I could, so I could uh, maybe illustrate that in some way. No, I'm not going to go. And then, and then he goes and does it. See, there's a permission to confess and to be who you are right where you are. You see it in the Psalms. Does David, does David uh, approach God just always with the right, uh, the right perfect words? No, he says, this is, I, I'm, I'm mad, I'm upset, I'm afraid, I'm disappointed. That's where he starts, but, but psalm after psalm, you can see he starts there. Where does he finish? He starts downcast, but psalm after psalm after psalm, you can see that he lifts his eyes up to the hills. Because I'm saying to you, I'm, I'm, I'm arguing for this this morning, out of scripture, that it's important that you be honest with God, not telling him what you should tell him, but tell him what you really think. He already knows it. Jacob, long before David, Jacob wrestled with God on the beach. I mean, it's implied that the angel of the Lord was there. It doesn't say I wrestled with an angel. It says he wrestled with the angel, the angel of the Lord, the presence and spirit of God, pre-incarnate Christ. Jacob is wrestling with God. Jeremiah, you can see in, in, in the middle of the, uh, of, of, of the exile of Israel to Babylon, Jeremiah is upset. And he says, I know you're a just God, but I would have a few words with you about your brand of justice. What? He's being honest. You know, it's more respectful. You see the other son, he says, sir, and this son doesn't say sir, right? I love it when, when kids say sir to me, a young child, not, not for me, but for them. I think, you know, they're learning how to respect people. They're learning to respect themselves. They're learning to respect each other. They're learning to respect their elders as much as I'd like to think of myself in a different category. I'm one of those. And, 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 and yet I can tell. Can't you tell when they're saying sir because they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes? Or ma'am? Right? I mean, they really, they really just want the conversation to end. That's what they want. They're saying, they're saying yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, and they really just want to, you to stop talking. <laughs> right? Kids in the room, you didn't know we had you figured out this well, but that's, surprise. Sorry. But see, what happens is when we're honest, it's more respectful. Even though he doesn't say sir or ma'am, he, he is more respectful because he's saying, this is who I really am. This is where I really stand. How many of you have had a conversation? Of course, every one of you has had this kind of conversation where you, you've, you've, you've heard it and you've heard it again and then you finally realize it dawns on you what the other person is really talking about is something so different from what you thought they were talking about. And you begin to realize, 
what it's really about. Don't you feel sort of diminished, disrespected if the person was doing it on purpose, that they were actually just trying to put you off and not be honest about what they really thought or what they really felt? Isn't it disrespectful when you're spending your time and you're trying to work through a problem and you're trying to reconnect with somebody and and they're playing duck and dodge and they're not being really honest about what they really think? You're not even talking to the real person. You're not even talking to the real person. You're talking to the imposter, the false front. Here's the first son, and it seems like he's being less respectful than the second son. But it turns out respect is a matter of the heart. Not just the lips, not just the words we use, but to give God what you really think, what you really feel, even your doubts. It's to be able to stand up. That's the benefit of confession, just to be able to stand up right where you stand and say, this is where I stand, Lord. It's like the disciples said, he said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's where he stood. You can see it in Thomas, even in his doubts, where he, he, he wanted to believe, and, and he was just being open and honest. It helps you stand right where you are. The second benefit and the way that, that confession connects us, reconnects us with each other, with ourselves, you can see how, now can you see how it helps you connect with yourself? I mean, how can you connect with somebody if you don't know where you really stand? How can you be known if you don't know yourself? You see how confession helps you know yourself so that you have a self to be known? But more than that, more than just allowing you to stand right where you are, confession helps you stand up a little straighter, a little taller, with a little bit more dignity, with a little bit more identity, a little bit more purpose, a little bit more of you. Now, what do I mean by that? What do I mean it helps you stand a little taller? I'm trying to use this image to help you understand that what confession does is it helps you be more of the best version of you. Imagine you in the garden before the fall. What would you be like in the garden? Now, don't think about fig leaves. I'm talking about you. Just wipe that out of your mind, all right? I'm talking about what, what would you be like before the fall? What will you be like? What will you be like in the kingdom of God? Somebody who is more human, not less. So often we think, I'm only human, as though being human were a bad thing. God made humans. Broken humans, that's not good. But what would you be like unbroken? What would your relationships be like unbroken? What would that last conversation, that last conflict look like if you entered into it unbroken or less broken? Confession helps you stand up a little taller. Be more of the you that you're destined to be and originally designed to be. God made you to be human, and he wants you to be more human, not less human. And so in the garden, before the fall, 
They were naked. Yeah, and, and we, we get distracted by the, the nakedness because we're embarrassed of it. We, we're ashamed of it, but they weren't. They didn't have to cover anything up. They, 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 they bore it all body and soul. Their emotions were, were evident, and they were not ashamed of who they really were. You see, confession allows us to be that person, to be more fully the person that God made you to be. And so Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and the, the thing is, we beat up on the Pharisees a lot, and we feel better than them, just as they felt better than other people. Isn't that ironic? But So we feel better because we're not those kind of people, those Pharisees, and we become Pharisees when we look down. We're supposed to learn from this. Because Jesus is giving the Pharisees a shot, another shot, a second chance. Yeah, I mean, he's being confrontational. A lot of these parables, they, very, they really are confrontational. But he's giving them a shot. In the same way that Nathan, the prophet in the ancient kingdom of Israel, when he confronted David about his sin with Bathsheba, he was giving David another shot to be the king that Nathan knew he could be. But the way up was down. He had to confess. And so Nathan tells that story about the, the lamb. And he says, I want to tell you a story about a lamb. And he says, this story uh, you know, is, is about a man who had a little lamb. He, he just had one little ewe lamb. And th- there was a powerful man who had lambs and, and, and sheep and, and cattle all over the hills. And he came and he took that lamb from the, that, that single lamb from that man, that poor man who had very little. took it from him and killed it. It enraged David because he thought it was a true story. He was, he was saying, where does this person go? You, you, we need to find this man and we need to do something. We need to bring him to justice. And Nathan said, you are that man. That's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees this morning. He's saying, it's you. You're the one who looks good on the outside, but on the inside, you're festering. And he's calling them to see and to confess the imposter. Because who is the imposter? Who is your imposter? Who, who, who am I when I'm being false? I'm the person who I am when I'm not living close to God. The person I am apart from God, that's the imposter. Confession reconnects us to God to be who we really could be, who we're called to be. Brandon Manning says this about the uh, imposter and our courage that we need to have in facing the imposter. He says, accepting the reality of our sinfulness means accepting our authentic self. Judas could not face his shadow. Judas couldn't. Peter could. The latter befriended the imposter within. The former raged against him. You see the twist? (laughs) Befriending the imposter? Well, that means you know he's there. You know she's there. You confess what's really there and, and shouldn't be. You just kind of lean into who you really are. You stand. 
but you stand a little taller as a result. You stand a little taller as a result. And so what, is it, what does it take for us then to, to do this, to, to confess and to be authentic and to face the imposter, to stand right where we are and to stand a little taller? What does it take to do that? Well, you can see what it takes in the contrast between the first and second son. You can see what Jesus is doing in this contrast is he's comparing, he's contrasting the Pharisees to the prostitutes and the tax collectors, and there he's, he's, he's showing them that here are a group of people who heard John preparing the way of the Lord and, and calling them to repentance, and, and it says in, in verse 32, it says this, even after you saw this, saw what? You saw the power of God to change a life. That's the this. The prostitutes, people living far from God, they knew it, they confessed it. And simply because they confessed it, here comes an opening for the power of God to change a life. And what what Jesus is saying is you saw this happening. You saw these people who were the last and the least and the lost and far from God and you saw them simply confessing their sin and then you saw them repent to, to turn. You saw the results of their confession that God's power entered into their life and still you did not turn. So what does it take? It takes recognizing who the imposter really is. And that takes a relinquishment or a laying down of your pride at the foot of the cross. It's pride that keeps us from confession. And it's getting over our pride. That's, that's the tough nugget, right? That's the bitter pill we have to swallow. I remember one time I was... Uh, I was uh, meeting Beth for lunch and the triplets were very young and uh, I was between meetings and I thought I was doing her a favor and uh, that was my attitude. I was, I was really, really um, uh, stressed between meetings and um, I brought that into the lunch. Now, it's easier to say this and confess this because she's not here this morning. She's ahead of me down the road here. But... Uh, I was a pain that lunch. I mean, a real pain. I was stressed, and it was coming out, and the kids were not, you know, they were not behaving perfectly as they normally do, and, 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 and they, were, they, were, they were, you know, spilling things, and I didn't have any patience, and I lost my patience, and all the rest of it. And uh, Beth and I had a little exchange of a fierce moment of fellowship, and... and, and, and and I went, and I got in my car, and I was very upset, and I was driving away, <laughs> and I thought, I saw the words. I saw those five words. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Oh, they were just sitting there, right? And there I was, Arthur Fonzarelli. I was... <laughs> I thought, okay, I've got to go. I can't go back to work. Meeting's got to wait. I got to go home and I've got to say this. I got to go say this. <laughs> well, I never said it. I, was, I said, forget it, you know. <laughs> That'd be too embarrassing, right? I mean, forget it. I mean, she'll get over it. 
I mean, look, look at all the things I do for her. I mean, it'll be fine. I'll just put it, it'll be no big deal. I mean, come on. She'll understand, you know? Just leave that little grain of sand in the gears. And what kind of relationship do you want? Do you want an alarm clock or do you want a Swiss watch? God has called you to have close, precious, finely tuned relationships. And so it comes down to laying down your pride. And so I, I turned around. And I went back and I said those words. It was like reciting them, okay? I, I'm, just, I'm confessing to you, I was just sort of, my heart wasn't fully in it, okay? I was just sort of like the first son, all right? I was just saying where I was and I was just reciting. I felt called to do this. It was just sort of the right thing to do. And I said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And you wouldn't believe how it changed me, changed my heart, and, and changed us. And and, and how many grains of sand were in our relationship that I didn't realize were there. Because I was assuming all kinds of things that she was thinking about me and her expect, expectations of me, you know, in between meetings or, or whatever it is. And they weren't there. They were of my own creation. I didn't know myself. I didn't know her. I didn't, I didn't really want to be known and, and understood. I, I let things get in the gears how about you? What relationship, maybe with yourself, with important people around you, with God, what grains are there that need to be outed, need to come out? Let's pray together. Father, would you uh, bless us now as we move from a place of confession to a place of profession? to say what it is, strongly, boldly, what we believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? We're going to say the Apostles' Creed as we prepare our hearts to move towards the table. It's important that we understand that, that this is a place of confession, but it's also a place of profession. Confession is to say the things that we're against. Profession is to say the things that we're for. You'll see it on the screens. People of God, what is it that you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.